Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Ferry. And Brett, for what is this, the fourth time now we have a schedule? Fourth time. Maybe not the last time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're recording Saturday morning, October 3rd. And part of the reason we waited this long to record was we found out earlier in the week that the Pac-12 was planning on releasing the, the most recent uh, 2020 college football schedule. And they did just that this morning, Arizona knows who it is set to play this season. And let's just, I mean, we can get right into it. There's a lot of reactions I saw from this where, like, oh, man, Arizona got a tough draw. Arizona got hosed. Arizona, it's like, well, let's look at it this way. We knew who five of the opponents were going to be. They were going to play all the Pac-12 South teams. And in the crossover game, I don't know what team in the North we look at and say is worse than Arizona. So they're going to get a tougher team no matter what in the North. And so like, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's a tough schedule only because Arizona is not projected to be particularly good. I mean, I think a team that's putting in a new system and going to rely on a lot of youth, shall we say, and inexperience, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it makes you I think it's more looking at the first couple of games. It's not like we eased into it with a call like a Colorado game or UCLA even, um, you know, at Utah, at home versus USC at Washington. That's. That's not an easy start. Uh, granted, I don't know if anybody really knows how good Utah or Washington is going to be. I can pretty safely say that we're going to struggle against USC at home. Yeah. And that's and that's a <laughs> um, start, yeah. But I, to, to that point right there, Arizona, new staff, new, you know, relying on a lot of young guys and all that. Part of me would say, yes, there's no way to, this isn't easing into that. But if you look at them, the back half of the schedule, after those first three, at UCLA versus Colorado and then versus ASU, those are probably their three most winnable games on this schedule, if you look at it. I mean, especially ASU being at home, which if there's some sense of a home field advantage, I think that could make up some of the difference there. And would you maybe say it's better to have those games, the winnable games, and I put that in quote marks, the winnable games later in the schedule when your defense will be more in tune, when those younger players will be more ready to play? Because if you figure you're going to lose to Utah no matter when you play them, you're going to lose to USC no matter when you play them, there's a damn good chance you're going to lose to Washington, especially on the road whenever you play them. So if you, those were losses anyway, I'd rather have the easier, and I, again, quotes, I guess, because Arizona's not supposed to be that good. No game should be easy. But I almost would rather have those later in the season when Arizona should be at its best, whatever that best is. I, I don't know if there's – I don't in a, in a, you know, six straight weeks of playing, I'm not sure it matters that yeah. much, to be honest. Um if if anything, you know, I could I could take the converse of that and say that one of the biggest strengths we have, and you know, we'll go into Donovan Lay coming back, is the O line that might benefit a ball control offense and hide that defense for a first couple of games. So maybe you can sneak up on some people early as they're also figuring things out. And you know, the Utahs and Washingtons and USCs of the world are probably having more guys sitting out the season due to the NFL draft than we are. Um, so you know, I could talk myself into In which case maybe way. it's good to get them early. Because yeah. they have to adjust with that. So, like, 
this is schedule. This is what people do when they have a, when a schedule comes out. Like, we're not the first to do it. I mean, it's not the first time we've done this either. And it happens in, well, the NFL and college football because of the smaller schedules. No one really breaks down a baseball or basketball schedule like we do with these sports. But, like, it's you could parse it however you want and try to find ways like, oh, it's better to play this team then or it's worse to play this team then, you know. And, I mean, Utah, they replace a lot of players. Lost a lot on defense. Lost Zach Moss, their running back. I think their quarterback Huntley was he is he gone too? I think or is he back again for like a seventh season? Because I feel like he's never left. Yeah, he's like the what was that Kansas basketball player that was there for most of a decade? <laughs> I forget his name too because you know at at our age, both mine and him, his like we forget things. <laughs> but so like there's there's change there, and like it's a weird season for everybody, right? So the initial games are going to be just clunky for a lot of teams. I don't know Utah. I think they've been practicing some. You know, USC, the California schools have had their tools, but USC lost a lot of talent to the NFL. You know, and Washington's lost some, too. You could look and say, well, that's an advantage to Arizona, but on the flip side, Arizona's also lost a lot of players, especially on defense, that they have to adjust without, you know, learn to adjust without. So I I don't like breaking down schedules. There's going to be something in AZ Desert Storm this weekend. We give our predictions for it. But I think you can make a case for why it's better and a case for why it's worse that Arizona plays each of these teams when they play them. Yeah, I did just look it up. Tyler Huntley is gone, so Utah okay. will be breaking in a new quarterback. And, you know, the the whole evaluating schedules in college football always annoys me every season when people like us that have a podcast and talk about sports are, like, trying to analyze it when... So thanks for listening football... up to this point, but everything we just <laughs> said, neither one of us liked saying, right? Like, well, well, it's, sorry. it's just that it's, co- it's college football, and inherently in a normal time... You really don't know how good or bad, especially the middle of the road teams are until you're a few weeks into the season. Yeah. Right. Or certainly until they get to camp and you can't people kind of start getting a sense of like who's looking sharp and who isn't. Right. Um, and in coronavirus time with all the opt outs, there's it's there's going to be, you know, upsets galore just by the nature of how it how it's operating right now. It's going to be ugly football. It's going to be a mess, which means craziness is going to happen. So it's 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 very hard to analyze the benefits or drawbacks and like i said i think i can make a case for either one i mean utah's got a new quarterback and you know that's that's most of the time anytime somebody has a new quarterback nobody wants to say they're going to be good until they show themselves to be good right and i'd rather play maybe at utah in november than december when the weather will be even worse yeah i mean and in november in utah with a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over a good offensive line and a, and a stable of running backs that are reliable maybe we can control the you know tr- control the clock for a while and kind of like we talked about if asu was going to be the first game maybe that's the best time to to do that because they're going to be probably out of sorts on offense while we're out of sorts on defense because they're having a new quarterback in there right um at the, at the end of the day like you said there's there wasn't a lot of variability in terms of what the that, that last mystery box uh, Pac-12 North opponent. Was it was be. not a boat. <laughs> and like Washington is, Washington is a good, you know, generally a very good program, but also Arizona for some reason has had a lot of success against Washington in the last however many years. Um, you know, my fiance is is a is a is a Husky, and they all of her Washington friends. Oh, she's loathe... she's, she's quite svelte, I have to say. Like she's not. <laughs> oh man. The husky joke, huh? It's 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 early. We're recording <laughs> this in the morning, you guys. I'm sorry. It's too early for those dad jokes. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> um, you know, like 
I'm, I'm pretty sure if you go back and uh, and uh, look at Arizona's record on the road at Washington in the last ten years, it's better than you think. Yeah, um, I don't think like it's that Washington good. Washington fans will. T- uh, I, there's a reason why Washington fans don't like seeing Arizona on their roster, which is weird because I've hung out with a lot of them through through Ellie, right? Um, so you know, I don't, I don't. The only game on there that I know is just not winnable is USC because they just have far too much talent. I'm not saying that that's it, gonna we're gonna be close to favored, but like I could see a 25 percent chance of upsetting Utah in the first game and. Maybe similar no for Washington. Knows, none of us know what to make of these teams, especially like Arizona and Utah are two of the biggest mystery teams. Utah, obviously, the coaching staff has not changed. Whittingham's great. He knows what he's doing there. But yeah. Ar- but Arizona, with their defensive coaching staff, their changes and the scheme and the players that they have to replace, and with a new quarterback running an offense that I believe I can – I'm sure everybody listening to this might have their opinion on this, but it's hard to imagine Arizona's offense not being better than it was last season. With the skill position talent they have, with the veteran offensive line, with Grant Cannell, who, I mean, pro football focus, we can talk about this a little bit later too, thinks is the best quarterback returning in the Pac-12. Now, argue with that if you want. I'm not going to, like, stand. I'm not going to die on that hill for Grant Cannell being the best quarterback in the Pac-12. But there's so many unknowns going to, and already in a week one game. But what we're used to seeing in week one is a non-conference, you know, pushover, generally. You know, I mean, for Arizona, I guess their week one games haven't been particularly pushovers the last couple of years. They've lost them both. But that's what we're used to. You're used to a non-conference schedule to kind of ease into these games to where maybe you're 3-0 and or 2-1 and by the time you face Utah, and you think you have an idea of who this team is. But at the same time, if all they've played are three bad teams, maybe you don't because you're saying, well, that's a nice start. Let's see them doing against a real team. Well, Utah is similar. They're used to having those non-conference, those patsy games. You know, so, like, when was the last time we saw an air I – mean, conference games don't happen in week one to begin with. And there are some schools that play really good teams week one. Now, like Hawaii was decent last season. BYU was decent the year before for Arizona. But usually non-conference is your time to kind of get your feet wet, you know, kind of introduce that defense. But even then, say Arizona played those three non-conference games. Who was it? Was this year supposed to be Portland State, right? Texas Tech and Hawaii again. Granted, those are, you know, especially Hawaii and Texas Tech would have been decent wins if Arizona got them. But no matter how Arizona looked in those games, especially if they looked great, you would say, well, let's see what they do against Stanford, which is supposed to be their first Pac-12 game. But if you put those three non-conference in this schedule, okay, let's see how they do against Utah because that's a real test. Well, now your just real test starts week one. And for Utah, they play an Arizona team who they'll be favored to beat. But who knows what this Arizona Wildcats team looks like with a completely new defense and a different quarterback running an offense that seems to fit his skill set. Yeah, it's I I would feel a, a lot better if there was just even like a Portland State Patsy game to get real live snaps against opponents trying to to actually beat you, not just guys in practice on the, on your team to get the, you know, work out some of the kinks and communication issues on on a on a new defensive scheme, but I mean, honestly, realistically with the the way the linebackers look, I wonder if we're even going to fully commit to a 3-4 or they might modify the scheme uh a little bit more often and put some yeah. put four down linemen just by necessity um and maybe maybe mix up the fronts a little bit uh, you know the th- it's going to be something because i th- i feel highly confident that Arizona offense with Gannell in a in a game it's a game manager quarterback in a game manager offensive scheme i don't know if he's a game manager i think we might be selling him somewhat short there i mean the kid can sling it well i i say that in the sense of he doesn't he doesn't beat himself Okay, that's fair. Because yeah, like, game manager has a negative connotation when for a lot of people, like, 
Well, it goes back to the like the Pro Football Focus last year ta- reviewing it, and like I guess we can, you already kind of referenced it. He was rated as the top returning quarterback in the Pac-12 above a lot of bigger name guys out there based on how they evaluated his film. And you know, we've talked about it, I think with Lev Michael Lev of the uh, the Arizona Daily Star that he only even put a what was it like three plays in nine games he played that were even potential for you know high risk of turnover yeah, his one interception was when he got hit against i think it was against usc like he was getting hit as yeah, he was throwing the right. ball yeah yeah and so like if he avoids mistakes which is something we shall we say haven't had as much in the last couple years um also the reason one of the reasons why i i say the game manager thing is he is very very willing, especially relative to what Khalil Tate was in the past, willing to hit the check down, right? Yeah. Take um, what the defense gives you. And, you know, second and six as opposed to second and ten is a huge difference, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's and in a, when you're going to be tr- – like, we all know that Arizona's going to be trying to hide their, their defensive depth for the entire season. There's a lot of talent on there, but there's some glaring holes at the middle linebacker spot with Fields and Schooler having left. Uh, so – they're, they, they, you know, they're going to have to try to figure out a way to minimize the opportunities for people to exploit that. And the easiest way to do that is to, you know, not fall massively behind where you have to put Ganell in a situation where you got to be slinging it 70 times a game and just move in the chains, have long sustained drives, keep your defense defense fresh. So you don't have to worry as much about depth, less chance of injury. And I, you know, I've, as much as we're going to be figuring out, Every every team, even the USC is going to be figuring it out. The USC yeah, they got a new defensive coordinator this year too, and that's why when you look at this schedule again, at Utah versus USC, at Washington, at UCLA versus Colorado versus ASU, and then the last game championship weekend. Unless Arizona's in the Pac-12 championship game, they'll be playing. I guess even if they are, they'll be playing whichever team in the North matched up with them standings wise. Now the like Brett, your initial reaction is: I mean, I don't know if the schedule changes how many wins you think Arizona has, but where do you have them at right now? Just looking at this, do you have an idea of 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 the six that of the we six know, games? Yeah, I think my target is two. I think it's two and four. I think they get two wins. I mean, I would say if you put the over under at two and a half, I think that's good. Like I have them. You'll know, spoiler alert for the Desert Storm article. I have them for three. So I'm gonna say they beat ASU just because I want to say that. But that's the yeah. thing. Like they'll, it's easy. You can see it. Over three start. Everybody's saying, "Oh God, this team is terrible." Then you go to UCLA, win that game, come home, beat Colorado, and then you're on a two-game winning streak. It's like, oh, then you get ASU at home, and who knows how good they'll be. But that's the schedule. And like, if they had a non-conference schedule, you'd be like, oh, that's a five-win season. Not great, but something you can maybe build on depending on how it went. And when we had Lev on a few weeks back, it's like, well, how did they get to this record, right? Like, how did they get to four wins? How did they get to five wins? But there's just so many unknowns with this team. But that's not to say there aren't unknowns with everyone else in the conference. And that's not even including the fact that They've been they're having to prepare for this during a pandemic where what kind of offseason work did they do? What kind of installation of schemes and coaching have every has everyone gotten? So I, it's going to be a crazy season and that of course assumes it happens. Like we could I guess we might as well throw this into the schedule discussion. There's a lot of hope right now. Arizona, there's a schedule, the Pac twelve has it out, and in the NFL, which might be some of the model, a non bubble scenario. They're already canceling a game this weekend or postponing a game, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, because Tennessee had a huge COVID outbreak. And now the report came out today on Saturday that Cam Newton on New England is going to be put in the protocol for COVID, which you wonder, okay, were they going to be able to play their game? Because if he had it, he was probably around his teammates all weekend. That's how this thing spreads. So the Pac-12, I guess one of the downsides of waiting as long as they did, if you see a downside to release the schedule, is there's no bye weeks. 
So well, if you, I, yeah, I think the Patriots game, I think they're already pushing maybe to Monday or Tuesday to try which, to do more testing. Which this is this is why what we talked about, like the best laid plans aren't gonna like. There's almost zero percent chance of the Pac-12 getting through the schedule without a game getting canceled or delayed. And you don't know right? whose game it's gonna be. But yeah, just when you look you at don't. the schedule, there's no bye weeks to kind of slide in an extra game, like a postponed game. The NFL has bye weeks. They can rearrange them to an extent, right? If teams have to miss multiple games, they're screwed. But the Pac-12, by waiting as long as they did to release a schedule, but I guess by waiting as long to start the season as they did, which I don't necessarily disagree with that, but it does put you in this bind where you have to play every game every single week. You can't miss any. You can't have one of those games where it's like, oh, we need to do more testing, you know, on Friday or Saturday just to see. You may guess maybe you can maybe push a game back. I think I said maybe tw- twice in three words or four words. But you could perhaps, we'll go with that, perhaps push the game back a day or two instead of like a Saturday game. You could maybe do a Sunday game. Maybe you could do a Monday game. But that's it. And you, you can't do that a lot. So it's. You said, you said maybe like three more times, too. Did I? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair. I think everyone needs to look at the schedule and say the word maybe, because if 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 the the uh, news of the past week, for when it comes to coronavirus, it augurs for anything for football, um, and what's already happened with college football to date, with all the games that have been canceled and rescheduled, and the NFL having issues, yeah, like, you know, the if you're gonna if you're gonna put place bets on, do you get through this schedule without any game canceled? Because you can't you can't really delay them. Right. There's no there's no option. There's no there's no margin for error. And you're not going to do two games in a week. Um, So it's, you know, you look at this and you say, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, Brett, if you are going to place bets on these games, you want to do it at my bookie. Right. We we talked about them a lot on this show because, well, now that there's games happening, it's easy to get excited. It's It's even more easy to get excited when you can win by doubling your deposit. Because you got insane Ooh. props, epic bonuses, great cross-sport wagers, all at my bookie. So for them, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. And now, of course, we have a Pac-12 season in front of us. So rejoice for that. Rejoice for the NFL. Most of the NFL still playing right now. Rejoice for the Major League Baseball playoffs going on. And also rejoice for huge cash prizes. So make sure you get in on the action. Use promo code OVERTIME to double your first deposit. New players go to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. So bet with the best this season for your chance to win big. Use promo code OVERTIME and double that first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. And for the Wildcats, if they do have a winning season, Brett, one of the things we could talk about really quick too is did you notice how none of the games in the Pac-12 are supposed to be on the Pac-12 network? So you mean I'm going to get to watch it at home? <laughs> like it's, it's funny because the Pac-12, they're going to have some morning games they announced. I think the ASU-USC game starts at like 9 o'clock our time or something. It's like with no fans in the stands, you don't have to be tailgating at 5 in the morning. So that's cool. You know, you could open that first drink at 9 and not feel totally guilty about it. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of – I think it's an indictment. I think it's smart to say have them not on the Pac-12 network. Right? It's smart to have them on national TV no matter what. People can tune in and watch their games. It's smart to have those early games because the East Coast people could watch your games at that time. They're not starting at 10 o'clock you know, East Coast time, 11 o'clock East Coast time. But what an indictment on the Pac-12 that the best way to get exposure is to not have the games on their own network. I mean, look at, look at the not-shocked face I have on my <laughs> – it's true. He does have a not shock you know, face on us. Yeah. Like, I mean, 
it would be, it would it would be one thing if the Pac-12 network had ever just decided to actually try to be the groundbreaking thing that they were trying to be and actually just say screw it i'm going to offer a $5 a month app subscription but they 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 never got the direct tv deal and that ended up killing them in the long run right yeah um at the, well, at i this think point, their time zone didn't help either right because even if they had like a seven o'clock game the seven o'clock kickoff isn't bad that's fairly standard that's 10 o'clock eastern time or is it after, is it after daylight savings it's 11 o'clock i don't do time zones very well but yeah it'll be it's after the fall back it is only a two-hour time there's only a two hours difference so it's never yeah for for arizona for arizona okay for others like it's so for the rest of the pac-12 it's always it's always three hours weird (laughs) but but, i guess i guess i guess the colorado would be and utah would always be two but the california the coastal but anyway my point is when games start at a late time East Coast, like they're already out drinking, they're already out doing other things at ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. When you have these epic Pac twelve after dark games that have happened, these crazy finishes, who on the East Coast is watching? So like everyone's always like day games, and for certain locations you can't have day games normally in August and September. It's hot. You know? It's tough for like the Arizona schools or even for some of the SoCal schools. But this time of year you could have games at whatever time you want by the time the season starts and feel fairly comfortable that, yeah, people aren't gonna die. In this, like, because of the heat, I guess. Because of the heat. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's a macabre joke in 2020. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, it's not like there's going to be any fans anywhere. Um, it, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be something. Um, I, 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 poor, poor ASU getting SC the first game and, like, the early morning thing. It's going to be, that'll be an interesting test for them. But, you know, it, it reminds me of, what was it, like six, seven years ago when Arizona had the homecoming game that started at like 10 in the morning or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. That was that was the worst. Because <laughs> <laughs> that one, you have to be there earlier. You have to tailgate homecoming, you know? <laughs> oh, man. I remember there was like a line to get in on university at any bar, and it's like, but the game starts in like 20 minutes. I can't, like, what, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember, I forget when it was. I went to an early game, and I went to tailgate, and like, We've talked on this show. I, we enjoy a good beverage every now and then, sometimes multiple good beverages. But I still feel weird about drinking them in the a.m., especially like the like 8 o'clock a.m. Like if I get to like 10 or 11-ish, like it's kind of brunch, lunchy time. I can, like I can drink. That's fine. But I remember going down, it was like 8 in the morning. I'm just like, oh, I don't feel good about this. I mean, I did it anyway. But I, it I mean- felt weird. I'm pretty sure my friends wanted to drag me to dirt bags at like 9 a.m. And I'm like, (laughs) absolutely not. (laughs) Like that is not the best idea for like sustained success throughout the day. (laughs) But it was a bad idea for like four reasons. (laughs) But before we move off on the schedule, we're going to talk about Grant Cannell being named the best quarterback in the Pac-12. We'll talk about some Arizona roster news that did and didn't happen over the past week. Any last thoughts on the schedule? You mentioned like ASU gets at USC to start in that early game. Does anything else jump out at you from the Pac-12 just overall? Because there's a lot of people who said, you know, thought like we thought like Oregon would get the easy uh, crossover game. Well, they got UCLA, so yes. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I mean, honestly, the first thing I looked at obviously was the Arizona schedule. Then the next thing I looked at was how easy of a path did Oregon and Washington get? <laughs> and they kind of got an easy-ish. Washington's path. crossover was Arizona, right? Um, 
I mean, SC, USC got, uh, who did USC get for their crossover game? They got Washington, Washington State. State. So, I mean, I feel like it, in terms of what we were expecting them to try to put their thumb on the scale, I feel like they tried to do it without it looking completely blatant, but it definitely looks like they did it. <laughs> they, they had such limited options with these schedules, and I brought that up to begin with. Like, every team knew five of their opponents, no matter what, and that's the case every season. Don't get me wrong, but it's usually not as big a deal when there's you know a 12-game season. But when you only have six games, five of those games are against the teams that you knew. And then the crossover game, I th- forget who it was that tweet. They said, like, for the conspiracy people, I think it was, like, with Oregon and USC or something, like, maybe they should have played. Like, they should have done it differently, but certain teams needed a certain amount of home game. Like, you need to have equal home games and road games. And the way the schedule matched up, they just couldn't do it a certain way. Like, I don't know. There's people in a room. And I guess, I mean, the easiest team for Oregon crossover would have probably been Colorado or Arizona. They're supposed to be the two worst teams in the conference, or at least in the Pac-12 South. But who knows? Right. I mean, Arizona's played Oregon fairly tough at times recently. And, you know, looking at the schedule the way it is, like, like you said, like we, we if the Pacto was going to try to do it the shady way, I guess Oregon's playing Arizona. Right. If we all assume Arizona's the worst team in the Pac-12. But at the same time, as we've talked, there's reason to believe that Arizona may not be good. But are they going to be a total pushover? You know, depending on when you get them in the season, who knows? Colorado's probably terrible. Like, that's a team that I think is worse than Arizona. Just yep. coaching turnover late, you know, they lose their quarterback. They lose Chanel's in the draft in the NFL right now with Jacksonville. Like they've, they've lost a lot of talent and just their team is just a weird off season to even more weird than a lot of others. Like they seem like a worse team than Arizona, but I mean, UCLA is not supposed to be that good either. So like that's three teams that are in the South that Oregon could have played. that you said, Oh, they got an easy team, right? Unless Oregon had to play SC or ASU, they're probably going to get the easy way out. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the only other thing that jumped out to me, just looking at it because the season is starting later, and I was curious, uh, we might be playing in the snow in Colorado the first weekend in December. <laughs> um, also, well, that's a home State, game. That's a home game for Arizona. Oh, oh is that one at home? Oh, okay. Um, but Washington State is going to go from Southern California in Dece- the for, in week five to playing at home in mid-December and having been there for the uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving game when U of A was there or just the, just before Thanksgiving when it was cold AF, my God, that, that poor Cal team is going to not know what hit it with the temperature. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I mean, December 18th and 19th. It is later. That's usually when bowl games have started a little bit if you're in one. you know. So it is the season is going to end later and the weather, well, in Arizona, it'll be super nice. And in other Pac-12 locations, it'll be not as nice. So Colorado at Utah to end the season is also going to be a snow bowl, potentially. No, that, I'll watch that, though, with great joy. Even if it's a terrible game, it's always fun watching those snow bowl games. Like, unless you're in one, I think, then it's less exciting. But, you know, either way, that like that's the schedule, the Pac-12 schedule. Take a look at it if you haven't. You know, look, break it down. It's AZ Desert Storm has it. You know, you can find a pitch anywhere that covers the Pac-12 the breakdown and we'll see hopefully i guess the, the thing that we can all hope right now is that every team gets their six plus one games in you know everyone stays healthy and actually plays these schedules as they're laid out because i don't i think this is the last schedule we're going to see from the pac-12 like for this season for this calendar season like if something were to happen like they're not going to do a spring one like this is it you know and if it doesn't happen then we'll come back and we'll talk about it again in 2021 you know for fall of 2021 because I, I would think they're not redoing the schedule for a fifth time if they had to. 
Hey, one last question, Adam. I haven't, I haven't, maybe I just missed it when I was looking at it. Um, it that bonus game week seven, are those, pl- where are those powers? How is the home game determined for that? That's a really good question because I think it's supposed to be who has a better record. But if they have the same record with these games, like, I don't know. Because, like, you could have a late December road game to Wazoo for Arizona, potentially, if the standings align. <laughs> Say, if Arizona, let's see, or like Oregon State, you could be going up there to Corvallis. Like, those are your most likely options, right? Probably uh, Pullman or Corvallis, I would think, to be, if you're second to last in the south, who's going to be second to last in the north? Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I... Well, Arizona, if you want a nice weather game, well, actually, the Pac-12 or the North won't have too many nice weather games at that time of year, actually, because that, that's why they're the North, like because they're in the northern part of the country where it snows and gets really cold. So I don't know who you'd hope for, like Stanford. Well, I mean, you'd, I think you'd hope that we'd get a home game. I'm sure the North teams actually probably would want to have a home, uh, a U of A home game as <laughs> like, well. They may have, a, we may have a better record, but we'll go play in Tucson. That'll be fine. <laughs> we're, so. Yeah, we're gonna vote for Tucson on December 19th. Yeah. Oh, well, Brett, let's take a break, and we come back. Grant Gannell, is he really the best returning quarterback in the Pac-12? That and some other Arizona news right after this. And we're back, and Brett, we touched on a little bit earlier. We're both pretty high in Grant Gannell, right? He had a good season last year, alternating with Khalil Tate, started a couple of games, ended up throwing for 1,239 yards, nine touchdowns, one interception, completed 66% of his passes, and... If there's any optimism or reason for optimism around Arizona this season, it's because the offense should be better, and the offense should be better largely because the quarterback play should be better. At least the quarterback play should be more consistent and in tune with the offensive system, right? Which will he look is, better. He is, he is less likely to throw the ball 20 yards back in the, into the backfield while being sacked. Or, or, yeah, or to lose yards trying to scramble and lose, like, 15 yards and running self, out of bounds. The, the self-sack. Yeah. So with that in mind, like, okay, like Arizona fans, there's reason to be optimistic about Grant Cannell. Absolutely there is. Pro football focus, those guys who they look at football very differently than most of us. They have their own metrics. They break them down. And a lot of people like them. And then a lot of people get mad when they produce something. They're like, what the hell was that? There are a lot of ASU fans, for instance, who are really upset when they're like, Grant Cannell is the best returning quarterback in the Pac-12 far ahead of Jaden Daniels, who's number five in the conference. So that's take that ASU. But, I mean, looking at it like this, like we like Grant Cannell, is he really the best returning quarterback in the conference? I, I, I mean, my, the homer in me says absolutely. Um, but, like, I think, I think people don't necessarily know fully what to make of Grant Cannell, and he's not the guy that is – flashiest kind of quarterback which i think is what makes it hard for people to evaluate him and that's for the pro football focus guys you know they look at every play and look at decision making and look at ball placement and look at you know short medium uh deep passes right right the talent around Um, you did a receiver make a great catch on a poorly thrown pass things like that yeah yeah, like, you know, Johnny Football, when he was at A&M, a lot of his great plays were he would scramble around and just heave the ball, and then Mike Evans was going up over four guys and coming down with him for 50, 50 yards. And it's like, was that a great Johnny Manziel play or more of a Mike Evans play, right? Right. Um, so I, I, I absolutely believe that how they do their math, that that's how it came back. Um, and, like, Jaden Daniels had a great freshman season, but he also was never really asked 
to do that much. And, you know, was it, he was, he was to go back to what we said before, like a game manager for people think he's a running quarterback, but he didn't really run that much. And they have no depth at the quarterback spot, as we talked about with Brad Denny, uh, you know, so they may not want him week. to run so much, even though he does, he's mobile. Oh yeah. He, he's mobile, but like they absolutely don't want him taking hits. Right. So right. <laughs> what is, what does that, what does that mean for their offense? Um, you know, I hate to break to you, ASU fans. It wouldn't be Jaden Daniels, who most people would say is the next best in the in the conference. Uh, Keaton uh, Slovis, the USC quarterback, yes. who was also a true freshman last season, who was just unreal. Uh, Correct. Like that would be if you if anyone has a complaint with Pro Football Focus, should have words with Pro Football Focus. It's USC fans, right? Correct. And that's and that's even not to denigrate. Like and that's when you look at these guys, especially some of these guys are coming into their second seasons too. Like which is awesome for the conference to have all these really young quarterbacks who had success as freshmen and Gunnell didn't play as much as Jaden Daniels he didn't start the whole season didn't play as much as Slovis so his sample size is smaller which could work both ways in this like either he didn't have time to make mistakes or he didn't have time to be even better than he was but if you extrapolate what what Gunnell did last season you say if he did that over a full season his numbers are great now you're gonna have defenses who game plan for him differently than they did Khalil Tate and Gunnell, he had the start against UCLA, and he was fine. He was definitely more of a game manager in that game, even though the long touchdown throw he made, it wasn't a long throw. Just, I think it was Ban Smith was wide open on the wheel route. You know, no one was near him. He made a good throw, good read. But that's just it with Grant Gunnell. Sometimes, like this offense, people get on Noel Mazzoni for his system. His system's put a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. His system scores points when it has the right guy running it. And you look at the skill position talent on this team, Running back is really good for Arizona. Receiver, there's a lot of guys who have potential, but have never broken. Like Jamari Joyner was in his first year as receiver last season. He was Arizona's best receiver. Well, give him a second season at that position. Now, I know he missed some of the offseason with his foot issue, but he should be even better. He could be a go-to guy. Booby Curry could be a go-to guy. Jalen Johnson could be a go-to guy. They have the size. They have the skill. And now you have a quarterback who can make them look better than they did last season. And that's what I think people are missing. Brandon Ayuk for ASU was great last year, right? Did he make Jaden Daniels look better, or did Daniels make him look better? It's probably more of the la- or the former than the latter. But right. for Arizona, I could easily see how putting a guy like Grant Cannell in the lineup, especially a second year, a sophomore Grant Cannell, as the unquestioned starter, will make those receivers look better than we think they are. I mean, to, to take what you just said, could, could you imagine what Grant Cannell's stat line would have looked like with an NFL first-round pick receiver on the on the field with him right and like, that's no knock on Daniels because make use of the talent you have but yeah, oh yeah. there was no Brandon Ayuk on Arizona's team last year at least none that we thought was there because the quarterbacking didn't allow for a guy like that I mean that, I guess that's part of it. I can't I can't give Jaden Daniels no credit than to say well if Arizona had a better quarterback then maybe their receivers would have been Brandon Ayuk but I think there's a little bit of there where it's like there's talent there but it's all young it still has to prove itself but Grinnell seems like the type of quarterback who will allow that to happen when Gunnell, I think, you know, like we've talked about in basketball, that people tend to overrate somebody has one really good skill and underrate being very well-rounded. I think that applies for most athletics. And I think Grant Gunnell is that really well-rounded quarterback that doesn't necessarily have the strongest arm, but it's strong enough. You know, he's not he's not a runner, but he can at least, he's not Drew Bledsoe back there. And the thing that that really separates him. You know, I remember watching certain of the games at Arizona stadium last year. He's not a mobile guy, but he moves in the pocket in space under pressure extremely well. Like that UCLA yeah. game, he was under pressure and he'd step up into the pocket or, you know, shuffle his feet 
move he you know, two, three feet. pocket well. Like, as a true freshman, if you have that, and then you're an accurate passer and you make the right read, you can go a long way and win a lot of games because you're not going to have negative or zero-yard plays, right? And if you're getting you know, little pieces, dink and dunks, and making the right reads and just taking what the defense gives to you, I mean, that's what that's what Brock Osweiler used to do under Mazzoni back at mm-hmm. back at ASU, right? When he had Brett Hundley, um, who's in the NFL right now, too, at UCLA. Like Mazzoni, that, not to make it a Mazzoni segment, but and coaches don't deserve credit for sticking to their system and not adapting to the talent they have, right? Like that's it's fair to say that when you have a Khalil Tate, you cannot run a Grant Cannell offense because he's just a different type of quarterback. Because under Rich Rodriguez, Khalil Tate looked pretty damn good, you know, with a different system. So. A coach's job is to maximize the talent that you have. And the talent they had was Khalil Tate. But there's a certain type of offense that Mazzoni wants to run, that he's more comfortable running, that he's better at calling. And Grant Canell says, I mean, he seems like a much better fit. And then with a quarterback who gets the ball into his playmaker's hands, Drew Dixon's not a bad player. Booby Curry's not a bad player. Trey Adams, big receiver. Brian Castile. You know, Jaden Mitchell, Jalen Johnson, Jamari Joyner, Tavian Cunningham. Uh, this is not a talentless receiver group. It just doesn't have that number one alpha player, but I imagine someone will emerge this year because they have a quarterback once again who will allow for that to happen. When you list off all these receivers and we talked about it when we were going through the depth chart, you know, a few months back, the Mazzoni offense with it, it's it, Grant Gannell fits, you know, fits like a glove into a Noel Mazzoni, a Mazzoni offense, right? I mean, that's why and Gannell he came wants, to Arizona, right? And he wants yeah, Mazzoni. And he, and we have maybe not the alpha that's emerged yet. You know, maybe maybe Joyner or maybe uh, Booby Curry or Jalen Johnson. Actually, I think Jalen Johnson could end up being a stud. Yeah. Um, not counting some of the receivers they have in the class for next year, but obviously they don't they don't, they don't get to play this year. Um, Probably not. You want to have you want to have you know a lot of you, you know if a Mazzoni offense is running correctly, nobody's generally going to have like a crazy high number of yards relative to the other receivers you're going to have like six or seven guys with a catch right mm-hmm. um and that's and that's and that's when you take what the defense has given you you're spreading the ball around you're minimizing risk and i think you know in that sense combined with the running back group and the o-line coming back uh largely intact um you feel pretty good about the offense you do you do and to the extent that is it going to be good enough to maybe make up for a defense that's lacking in talent in certain areas and maybe even cohesiveness because, you know, again, whole new coaching staff, whole new system without a real offseason to install it. We'll see. But if Arizona can score 30-plus points a game with that offense and if the offensive line stays healthy, they should have the ability to do that, they'll be in more football games than people are thinking. Like, this isn't a team that should go 0-6, 0-7 like people are talking. I know there's a lot of pessimism out there, and I'm not saying you should be optimistic, but... If they can score that many points a game, if they can be an elite offense or a top five, you know, let's say even a top half of the conference offense, they'll be in a couple games. They'll be in a few games, and they'll probably steal one or two of them. You know, like that. It's that's just yeah. football for you. <laughs> well, and I think I think your three win call in the that you said you're previewing for the Desert Swarm call makes sense because like if we end up only winning one or two in our in our six game schedule, that means we're going to match up against a a lower quality team for the seventh game that I actually feel much better about winning than if we went three and three and we're <laughs> facing a tougher North team, I'm going to assume we're going to lose that game. Right. Yeah. So I feel like I, I feel like I could uh, triangulate into believing your three win number. Cause well, I had them three and three and then I don't, I think I haven't gone three and four. So I haven't losing that seventh game, but I'm picking a win yeah. over ASU because right now I can do that. 
I mean, I think I think Utah, Washington are both. There's a there's a chance that you s- steal one of those, right? USC, I don't see any chance. Um, but <laughs> I just I just don't. So that means like that. What I think what you're saying though, there's one and we're back to the schedule. Brett, we moved on from the schedule, by the way. I thought. Well, I'm staring at it on my screen, Adam, and it's, I'm just excited <laughs> for football. But but by the way, you're talking. There's one game on the schedule, one game out of those six that you give them no chance to win, and that's USC. Yeah. Every other game you could talk yourself into largely. I'm going to steer it back because that's what I do. Because you have a quarterback like Grant Gannell, who we believe in so exactly. strongly, right? Because if this offense is that good, now part of the reason it'll be as good is because that offensive line we talked about. And that's some interesting news, player like roster management type news for Arizona over the last. I guess, week and a half since we recorded, Donovan Lay had enter, entered the transfer portal, and then the next day he decided, never mind. And when he had entered the transfer portal, there was all the talk about, like, why would he do that? Well, his father passed away late last season. He's from California. Thought he might want to go play closer to home, closer to his family. Totally understandable. You know, he's basically been a starter for Arizona since he arrived on campus. It, was a, it would have been a huge blow to lose Donovan Lay. Probably protected player, I think, left guard this season. But... He's got NFL size, NFL potential, and again, he's a starter on a unit that we're relying on as people who think that Arizona's going to be better than expected to help carry the load because if they can block in the run game and give Gunnell time to pass, then the offense will run smoothly. So Donovan Lay was going to leave, decided to come back, or decide not to leave. I guess he never left, so he can't come back. That was that was relieving, I think. <laughs> that was, yeah. Whew, okay, good. Well, both, both for this season and beyond, because he will be draft eligible after this season, and for a program that needs, you know, some video ran on uh, ESPN with Mel Kiper talking about a player being drafted. You want to see Arizona uniforms on there and things that you can splice up and throw into recruiting videos when you're uh, talking to to guys in high school that have NFL aspirations, and you know, say Tony Fields and Colin Schooler get drafted this year, they're going to be showing up in West Virginia and uh, Texas Tech uniforms rather than called out as an Arizona guy. So both for this season uh, and maybe, maybe two, if he, if he sticks around for his, his senior season, but also for, you know, building that long-term, hopefully improved recruiting with a a little more NFL possibility out there. Yeah. And definitely just the offensive line, there's talent in that group, but you don't want to lose your starters, (laughs) especially so close to the season. So we're glad Donovan Lay decided to stick around in Tucson Uh, quarterback, Kevin Doyle who had opted out initially because he didn't want to play. He was worried about COVID, which totally understandable, especially at the time he did it, decided he wanted to opt back in. So this is two guys. This is the good news, I guess. Two guys who decided they wanted to continue playing for the Arizona Wildcats. Now, Doyle, he's not projected to start. We talked about Grant Cannell is the guy at quarterback. But Doyle comes back to compete for the backup quarterback job, which to some extent you hope you never need him because if Cannell is as good as we're hoping and maybe just like in garbage time to you know wrap up a huge win, cool. But if Gunnell's as good as we're thinking and hoping and he stays healthy, you're not going to see the back of quarterback. But certainly, of the guys they had behind Grant Gunnell without Kevin Doyle, Will Plummer, true freshman, Rhett Rodriguez, a senior, but more of like a, that's a game manager for you, not a guy you necessarily want to be a multi-game starter for you. Like having Kevin Doyle come back, if he can earn the job, and there's reason to believe that he can, then I guess we've never really seen him play. He's had injury issues, but... Like the, the tools are there. He's got the skill. He's got the size where there could be enough there where if he has developed to the point where you can rely on him, that he could be a guy who should step in. And if Gunnell was going to miss a game or two, that he would be a better replacement. So also he just wanted to play. Like that's good. It's good to have people want to play at Arizona. <laughs> like these, right. And that's, 
like after all the transfers they had this offseason, Colin Wilborn's another one he decided to transfer recently. You start to look at, especially after Lay announced he was going to change, like, what is going on in Arizona? And not just like you say, oh, yeah, they've been bad the last two years, so why would people want to be there? But it's like these are guys who they've lost so many players who were going to play. And to your point about having a guy like Lay go to the NFL as an Arizona Wildcat, like when Tony Fields left, it was ostensibly, I think, because he thought he would have a better chance to go to the NFL if he played for a better program. He ends up at West Virginia. The Schooler brothers left because they didn't think they were going to play a fall season. They weren't going to. They had no interest in playing a spring season. But if guys who were going to play a lot for this team left, then it makes them like, well, one, they must have assumed that Arizona's going to be really bad again. And then along with that, they must have figured playing for Arizona is not their path to the NFL. Both of those perspectives are really awful for a program. <laughs> like, those are not good. And not that these guys decide to stick around or come back, says Arizona will be good and can send guys to the NFL. But if all these players who were going to be starters and key contributors, I mean, Doyle wasn't expected to be, but if all, other than him, if they all decide, yep, Arizona's not the place for me, and was it something's wrong in the state of Denmark? Like, it was a terrible, terrible look for a program that has had a lot of bad publicity and just the hits kept on coming, but this week was more like, okay, here you go. Things are okay. That That's nice. It's It's nice to have... You know, positive roster news, <laughs> right? For for the current roster, not for the recruiting class, because we we had a lot of. It's been like weeks since we've had a football commit. I feel like, which, I guess we're not going to end up with that sixty man recruiting class. It's probably for the best. But the the one thing is, you know, we we had to we had to kind of stop the bleeding of losing roster spots. I think we're six scholarships below the the maximum now of eighty five. I think last I saw was like seventy nine, which means probably some of the walk-on guys like the long snapper that got uh you know a scholarship mm-hmm. you know there there's probably gonna be some of those guys that get their opportunity to earn those but the challenge is with this late start the pac-12 is also behind the eight ball for trying to get you know transfers yeah, that are eligible left. to play immediately yeah there's like, there's basically nobody out there unless somebody opted out wanted to transfer and was granted a waiver like mountain like, west hasn't transfer. started yet and other pac-12 schools haven't started yet but that's about it I feel let's like. go. Let's go steal a, a Mountain West middle linebacker or two. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, it actually would be. In normal circumstances, you'd feel kind of bad about that, most likely. But right now, it would feel pretty good. Yeah, I, I'd feel I'd feel much better about the, this roster if we had another linebacker or two that you knew could contribute. Um, <laughs> right. Because right now, there's going to be walk-on guys that are going to get going to get snaps because they're just going to have to, and you you better wrap a. Anthony Pandy and Darian Clark and bubble wrap. <laughs> now you get them. They still be able to move though. So you got maybe those like those big like hamster wheel balls or something, and they can run around and roll over people that way, still be protected, <laughs> but also effective. Well, you hope that with the guys that they've added to the roster, especially on the D line, it should make the job the job easier and the scheme a little easier for less experienced middle linebackers. If they are, you know. Aaron Blackwell and Roy Lopez combined with the guys that are coming back, Tapusoa, Trevon Mason, like the defensive line has the size and capability to be a strength, which will really help, uh, you know, the lack of depth and overall talent at the middle linebacker spot. Maybe that's reason to go four, three instead of three, four this season. Yeah. So like if they're, if they're sucking up blockers, it makes a, you can scheme around that and just have a middle linebacker be like, yeah, go tackle the guy with the ball. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they don't, it, it makes their life all, a hell of a lot easier. Um, you know, it's easier said than done, of course, but sure. you know, there's, 
as you said when you looked at the schedule, maybe. <laughs> I said that a lot. Okay, but let's let's be honest here. I said that a lot. But one thing we do know, let's we can move on one before we wrap up the show here. Arizona basketball. That was announced too. When football was coming back, basketball was right there with there. So we're confident there's gonna be a basketball season. But Arizona will not be participating in the NIT season tip off. That report came out. They're not gonna do that. Um, the Gonzaga game they're going to play this season. It looks like it's going to be moved back to next season or next year. And also, Arizona was supposed to play Illinois uh, at Illinois. That's supposed to be moved again until next season. So the the non-conference games that Arizona was supposed to play basketball-wise, we'll see. You know, like it's We don't know what that schedule looks like. We don't know what tournaments they might be a part of. I saw a report that said they wanted to play all their non-conference games in Tucson, which, of course... But I guess with no fans, maybe it's less about home court, and you could argue it's about traveling expenses and all that and not wanting to leave your bubble type of situation. But like, I guess until we see that schedule, it's hard to really react to what they have. And then basketball's be such a weird thing anyway. But if you play most of your conference games or all your conference games, non-conference may not matter because I imagine a lot of other programs are going to be dealing with the same thing. Yeah. Everybody's going to look at the basketball schedule when it's finalized and say the word maybe a lot, Adam. <laughs> like 25 times, probably. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just getting a head start. That's all. That's all I'm doing. Like, jump on the train, man. Come on. What are you waiting for? <laughs> the maybe train? The maybe train. We might leave soon. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. You expecting <laughs> another train to come along soon? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so. So I think that about wraps up. Obviously, Brett, we have now, what, about five weeks? Four weeks, five weeks before week one of this new schedule. So we're going to have a lot to talk about previewing the season. And, of course, we did our uh, roster projections, our depth chart review over the summer, and then that changed, too. So we might go do that again. But, <laughs> you know, as always, if you have any questions, hit us back at Wildcat Radio AZ on the Twitter machine. If you have any questions or comments, make sure you're subscribing to our channels rate rate us and review us like give us let us give us a thought as long as it's five star reviews and ratings like that's good if you want to give us like a two star review and rating eh, find something better to do with your time you know it's not worth it you know we'll skew the numbers that way keep listening to the channel uh, on all the places you get your podcast itunes um spotify everywhere you can get podcasts pretty much you're going to find wildcat radio there's going to be a lot of programming coming up now especially because a season is happening and there's going to be sports to talk about, which is cool because we like talking about sports, right? So it's pretty much it's pretty much why we're here. <laughs> I think so. Uh, that's that. That's what it was explained to me as when I was asked to join the Wildcat Radio 2.0 network. So everyone, thank you for listening. We'll talk about more Arizona news next week. But until then, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>